Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything unpure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Cornelius said, Now are all here in presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation one who fears him and does what is right. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Good morning. I grew up in a wonderful household that was really a train station, our home was, and it was people who came from all parts of the world. There was all kinds of different languages spoken in our home, and it was kind of a weekly occurrence that people would just come and visit, men and women, different status, all areas of life. And they would come and and just enjoy our family because they uh, loved our family. And a lot of times, uh, many would not just visit for the day, but they would stay for the evening, sometimes for weeks, uh, and would stay with us. And one of the things that was always wonderful at our home is right around dinner time, you would hear my French mama out of the kitchen, and she would yell out, A la table! A la table! Time to come to the table. Dinner is served. And everybody was invited, everybody was welcome, and 
And in a French home, you sit many hours and enjoy dinner. That's why I'm the slowest eater that there is on the planet. I just enjoy the fellowship and the food. And we would do that and enjoy relationship with each other. But everybody felt welcome to the table. Our Lord, who is full of grace from the beginning of time, has been inviting people to the table. He has been inviting people into relationship, not religion, into relationship with the living God. And if we are ones who sit at the table with Jesus, he's now calling us, like Acts 1.8 says, to go and make disciples. As he's called upon Zach and Melody, go and make disciples. And I want you to go out and invite people to the table. In Acts chapter 10, we're going to look this morning, we're going to see Peter is being called to extend an invitation to the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. But there is an incredible barrier for him. And the barrier is prejudice. He doesn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. Peter thought that the table had a reserved sign on it that said, the chosen ones, the Jewish people, the table is only for us. Not for the Gentiles, for sure. But the Lord in his patience and grace is going to work in Peter's heart. And he's going to start to strip away the prejudice and to help him see that everyone, all of God's creation, everyone is invited to the table. Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask through your Holy Spirit that you would minister to us and pour out upon us, that you would break down any prejudice in us that keeps us from inviting people to your table, that we would take an honest look at ourselves, an honest look at who our friends are, and really think about, are there things that keep us away from people that you've created and love? So, Father, do your work this morning. Teach us through this passage. And may we be a people who invite people to your table. In your precious name, amen. Well, he is breaking down prejudice in these first many verses. And I want to take you back to to chapter 9, just at the end of chapter 9. 943 says this. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So there had been some amazing miracles. Peter had gone into Joppa and into Lydda, and he healed Aeneas, helped him. He rose him up and he walked again. He healed Tabitha, who was dead, and she became alive. Amazing miracles of the Lord. And then at the very end of all of that, It says he went for many days and hung out with Simon the Tanner. Why is that verse even there? Well, I believe that the Lord is doing an incredible work on dealing with Peter's hearts, on loving people who are considered outcast or unclean. You see, Tanners were disgusting. Tanners were outcasts. In their homes, they were 
killing all the animals and taking the skin. It smelled like you wouldn't believe. They literally had to be at least 50 yards outside of the city because nobody wanted to be around them because of the stink of their profession. They really were considered those who were despised. If a young woman was engaged to a tanner and she actually didn't know it at the time, but she found out, she was, within the community, she was able to say, no way am I going to marry you, you're a tanner. I won't have that stink on me. That's the type of people, that's how they were viewed. And it says, Peter went for quite a while, many days, and stayed at his home. Stayed with Simon, the man nobody wanted to be near. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful how the Lord extended his love through Peter to Simon? The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in Peter's life. And he's responding to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's this whole, whole book of Acts, responding to the Holy Spirit, living as a Spirit-empowered church, responding to where He's taking us to show His love, to bring forth the Gospel message that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And if we put our faith in Him, we shall be saved. This message needs to go out to all those that you think are disgusting and despised that you have prejudice against. The Lord's trying to break all that down because people, everyone, needs to know of the love of Jesus. I can only imagine, as they're spending many days together, how many times they came to the table together where they supped, had fellowship at the table, and how Simon must have felt, oh my goodness, I am welcome in the kingdom of God. I am a child of His. I'm not some outcast. I'm loved deeply. You're included, Simon. And Peter's heart is becoming soft. Things that he thought were vile. God's preparing him to go to the Gentiles. The question for all of us, who are we inviting to the table? Who's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart to invite to the table? People that maybe you're not comfortable with or that you would consider maybe an outcast. They're the people on the fringes. Who's God calling you to invite to the table? You see, Peter's view of the Gentiles, they had a word for him, the goim, the nations. They would, they would spit as they would say it. You're people that we want nothing to do with. You're the goyim, you're awful. Cornelius, who he's going to be sent to, is one of the goyim. He's one of the nations. Spit upon that. Here's what it says in verse 1 about Cornelius. There was a certain man at Caesarea, and he was named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was the Italian cohort. That man, Peter thought was less valuable. That man, Peter thought was just an object. Cornelius the centurion, he ruled over a hundred. He was part of the Italian elite. He was a rough guy, tough, had a lot of authority, 
a lot of power. He lived in the community where the Roman governor was. Caesarea was built by Herod the Great, named after Augustus Caesar. And so he ruled in that area. He was one who was well acquainted with the people, but he was a Roman soldier to the core. He was a career man. He was seasoned, disciplined, and rugged. This man, this Gentile, also had an amazing spiritual life. He had this life that was drawn to God. Verse 2 says, He and all his family were devout. They were God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. See, Cornelius had an orientation towards God, towards a monotheistic God. He was raised up worshiping all kinds of God, Jupiter, and you had to, you had to worship Caesar as a God. And it seemed that he was getting to a place where that wasn't ministering to his soul. He was drawn to the God of the Jews. Scriptures say he feared God, an incredible respect towards the Lord. I think he was going to the synagogue nearby, just north of the city, and listening to the teachings of the Jews and learning about the God of the Jews. His whole family, his whole household worshipped God. And he played it out in practical ways, the scriptures remind He gave alms to the many. He took care of the poor. And he had an amazing reputation in his community. Acts 10.22 says this. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous one, and a God-fearing man, he was well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. You see what his life was like? He was generous. He was kind. He was a good man. Very religious. Did a lot of wonderful things. Everybody on the street would say, oh, love Cornelius. He is a good guy. Really appreciate him. He's done great things for the community. That's how they would speak of Cornelius. He was, the scriptures say, praying all the time. But here's the truth about this very good religious man. He was not saved. His heart had not yet been transformed by the amazing grace of Jesus. He had not come to a place yet where he fully surrendered unto Jesus. You see, he was a good man by human standards, but he fell short of God's standard of holiness. And he's needed to recognize his need for a Savior. But here's what I will say about Cornelius. He was a man who I believe was an honest seeker. I think the Holy Spirit was getting a hold of his heart and he was wondering about who this God is and and he was learning about who this God is and he really wanted to know him on a deeper level, seeking after the Lord. And I know for many of you that was the way it was. It's like, I've heard about the Lord. I want to know him more. I just don't know him yet. I'm a good person, but never surrender to life, your life unto Jesus. He was one who was seeking. And you know what's so wonderful is the Lord is going to respond to him. 
Look at verse 4. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. Your prayers and gifts have come up as a memorial before the Lord. You see, his heart and what he was offering to the Lord and his cry to the Lord during his prayer time were pleasing to God, acceptable. He knew the heart. Cornelius was one who was living in expectancy of God to show up. I can only imagine his prayer time saying, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I'm witnessing all this going on in the Jewish community, but I want to know you more. He would be the God who answers his prayers. He would be the God who fulfills his longings and his desires. And so he gives Cornelius this amazing vision. Three o'clock in the afternoon, he's on his face praying to God, crying out, angel of the Lord, a vision of an angel shows up and says, the Lord has heard your prayers. Now here's what I want you to do. Send men over to Joppa. There's going to be a place, Simon the Tanner's house. And there'll be Peter there. And invite him back. Send those men to bring him back. The Holy Spirit, working on Cornelius' heart, at the same time, working on Peter's heart. And the Lord's going to bring it all together. Because the Lord is not going to hold back his saving grace. It's just going to pour out upon him through the Holy Spirit. But he needs to hear what the truth is. He needs to hear the gospel. He's got a, a hint of it. And God's going to use Peter to bring that message of salvation unto Cornelius. The Holy Spirit working. You need to trust that. You need to trust when the Lord calls you to go, that he's working in the hearts of those around you. Because he can't hold back his love from his people. Trust that the Holy Spirit is working. Because he is. He always is. And so at the same time, Peter has a vision in verse 11, and he sees the heavens opened up, something like a great sheet filled with all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And in the vision, he hears the voice, Rise up, Peter, kill and eat. This amazing vision of a sheep poured out, it's filled with all kinds of animals, with pigs, not kosher, unclean, with cows, clean, reptiles, unclean, all mixed together in this sheet. For a Jew, that's ghastly to see such a thing. How can I even be in the presence of this? The sheet containing that which is clean, that which is unclean. The clean animals, of course, were the Jews. And the unclean, the creepy, crawly things, were the Gentiles. And the Lord's doing a work on Peter. And he's showing him Listen, I want you to rise up. I want you to kill and eat what I call 
clean, don't you dare call unclean. You see, everybody is invited to the table. Rise up, kill, and eat. Peter's still struggling with this. Gentiles were not even to be touched on the street, and if they were, they'd have to go home and wash immediately. You wouldn't ever speak to a Gentile. You definitely would never have them in your home or go into their home. We are superior, the Jews thought. And they were filled with pride, prejudice. They would call the Gentiles dogs. The Old Testament said we're supposed to be separate. But they took that in their own humanness and meant to be, oh, we're to be separate and we're to be the, the, really the chosen ones. Nobody else gets to come to the table. And the Lord's breaking them down. He broke them down with Simon the Tanner and he's breaking them down in this vision, teaching them that the Gentiles are no longer unclean. They are indeed invited to the table. The message of Jesus Christ and salvation through Jesus Christ needs to go out to everybody. Who are you inviting to the table? Arise, Peter, and eat. Peter still argues with them in verse 14. No way, Lord, I can't do this. No way. He says, Peter, don't argue against me. By no means, God, I've never, I've never done this. I've never broken the law like this. I'm a real follower of you, God. This is against my religion. You can only imagine the Lord chuckling. What religion is that exactly, Peter? I'm the one who's telling you, rise up and eat. While he's having the vision, in the middle of the day, the men, the Gentiles, show up. The ones that Cornelius sent over. Verse 23 is a powerful verse. They show up at the door. They take a long trek. All they really had to do was follow their nose to find Simon the Tanner's house. It stunk to high heaven. And they show up there. Now, verse 23 is kind of a throwaway verse, but actually it's a super powerful verse. Look at it with me. So he invited them in to be his guests. These are Gentiles. These are creepy, crawly ones. We never associate or invite or go in. And they invited them in to be our guest. Not just to come in, be our guest. A la table. A la table. Come to the table. Everybody's welcome. Peter's getting soft. The Lord's working on his heart. He's getting the eyes of Jesus. This person's not unclean. They're not an outcast. They are loved deeply by God. Come to the table. Who are we inviting to the table? He's breaking down prejudice, and now he's going to build up the whole family of God. And he responds, Peter responds to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, again, working on Cornelius' life. Holy Spirit is working. Here's one of the things that's amazing. So as he responds, and as he goes from Joppa, 
to head towards Cornelius' place in Caesarea. Does Joppa ring a bell for you? This is where Jonah came to run away from God when he called him to go and bring the gospel to the Ninevites. Do you see how God's redeeming the whole picture? I'm going to send you from Joppa, where Jonah said, no way. And you're going to go, and you're going to bring the message of salvation, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, that Jesus Christ rose again, and if you believe upon him, you shall be saved. You see, you're going to go, Peter, from Joppa. And the world is never going to be the same. God redeems that which is broken and brings life into that which is death. Verse 24 says, Cornelius was expecting them and they came together, all of his family and friends. And verse 25, Peter enters in and Cornelius falls at his feet. This mighty, rugged warrior falls at his feet. I think he does that because he realizes God has answered his prayers and God has shown up to respond to his prayers. And he humbles himself. Peter could have totally taken advantage of that situation. Oh, you Roman oppressor who are at my feet. That's right, grovel. But God had been doing work on Peter. I think Peter's heart was broken. I think he's humbled. This Gentile man who has always been an outcast to us is now going to know the saving grace of Jesus. Look at verse 27. And he went in. He went in. Many people were gathered there. He went into a home. You never go into a home of a Gentile. He went in. And all these people were expected. We want to hear what you have to say from the Lord. Man, it's a big step for Peter. He says, you know, it's unlawful for me to do this. But actually, that law was made by men. That was never God's intention. And he went in. He has shown me that I should not consider any person common or unclean. Can we pause just for a minute? What's going on in our hearts, each and every one of us? Do we have a little bit of prejudice? Do we have bias? Do we think we're superior, better than? Think about how you view those people on the fringes. You know the ones I'm talking about. You know, I think the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves... There's a little bit in that, in us. Sometimes it may be real deep, but it's there. Maybe we've been raised up with prejudice in our families, and so it just kind of resonates. We would never say we're racist or prejudiced against people, but then things stir up in our hearts. You know, the Lord worked on me on this when Asher and I, we were in Jordan together, and we went to to Mufruk. And we went to go visit homes of Muslim friends who were uh, living, they're Syrian refugees in Mufruk. 
And I love our Muslim friends. I care. I want them to know about the love of Jesus. But it was something interesting that stirred up in me that I didn't expect. And it just as we're walking the streets, I would look over and see some Muslim friends, and, and I got a little scared, actually. Like, are they going to attack me? Are they going to do something to me? Do they hate Christians and are, are going to take me out? All of our media talks about the terrorists that are Muslims. You know, so these negative tapes play in your brain. And you're like, oh my, where'd that come from? But then the Lord did a wonderful work as we showed up at the first home. We went in and we were greeted with welcoming smiles of the Syrian refugee family, Muslim, just delighted to have us. They offered us tea. Many offered us wonderful meals. We seriously couldn't eat any, literally couldn't eat anymore. We ate so much. And every home we went to, we would sit and we would just talk about life a little bit. Kids laughing, parents laughing. And then they would say, tell us a story about Esau, about Jesus. You Gentiles. You people that I don't want anything to do with. Can I just encourage you in the Lord to just go in? We have our wonderful pastors, Nick and Laura Armstrong, who are teaching us how to love our Muslim neighbors, our Muslim friends. Would you maybe ask the Lord, Lord, help me to take the first step. And would you connect with them and say, how can I take the first step to have a Muslim friend? I think one of the hardest questions for all of us in dealing with our prejudice is who are our friends? And what do our friends look like? Honestly, what do they look like? Do they look exactly like us? Are they of the same status, same color, same religion? Do they look just like us? I think the Lord's trying to strip that away in all of us. He is in Peter, and he goes in. And here's what happens, a wonderful thing. He goes in, and verse 33 says, everybody there is gathered in the presence of God. We're all here. We're gathered together in the presence of God. It sounds like a wedding, doesn't it? Well, you know what it's going to be. The bridegroom is going to marry his bride and Cornelius' family. They're going to become part of the church. We're all here. Please tell us about Jesus. And so Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Don't miss this. He does not show favoritism. There is no separation. He accepts from every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right. Everybody is invited to the table. And so he's going to share the gospel message with Cornelius, all his family, all the friends gathered who are expectant. They want to hear. Who are we inviting to the table? Because you have to know the Lord is preparing hearts to hear the message of salvation. He's preparing hearts. And I think he wants to use us 
to bring forth the gospel message. The good news of Jesus. His amazing love for the outcasts. Those who are, think they're unclean, not worthy. Those who think they've sinned too much to be loved by God. Are you kidding me? Can't outsin the love of God. And so Peter starts to bring forth the gospel is for everyone, and he's going to invite them to the table. And so he shares the story. You know what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee. John was preaching there, and he preached life change in Jesus. And Jesus arrived from Nazareth. He was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went through the country. He was helping people. They had demons, and he was casting them out. They were oppressed. He was healing them. He was healing them physically. He was giving them life and offering life. Jesus. And we saw it all. We were with him. And we saw how they took him and they put him on a cross on a tree and they killed him. There has to be a payment for our sin. And the only payment that is acceptable before a holy God is his pure lamb, his son, Jesus, to take the place for us in our sin. Verse 40 says, but God, I love it when there's a but God, because it's always big. But God raised him from the dead. Three days later, he rose up. We're witnesses of that. He was raised. We saw him. We walked with him. Not everybody saw him, but we were chosen to be with him. We actually came to the table with him. We supped with the resurrected Jesus. And he commanded us to go out and preach the gospel, the good news, that the Son of Man has come, the Anointed One has come, that God has appointed his Son as judge over us. You see, here's one of the things. We can't escape the judgment of God on our sin. He has to deal with our sin. And he's given us a way to deal with that as we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But he has to deal with sin. We cannot stand before a holy God unless we are washed pure. And that's only through the blood of Jesus. The message has come forth. We've preached the gospel. We've told people that Jesus is the Savior And that if you surrender your heart to him, you will have life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that he rose again, you shall be saved. That's not just a maybe, you'll be saved. You shall be. But many people didn't come to the table. The invitation is there. Don't be like in Luke 14 where many were invited to the banquet, but nobody was receiving the invitation because they had all kinds of excuses. Oh, I have to farm the field today. I have a wedding I'm going to. I've got something that's keeping me away from the banquet of Jesus. 
All the prophets, verse 43, testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Cornelius and his family learned about who Jesus was and his salvation, and then the Holy Spirit stepped in, and he broke through their hearts, and they surrendered their lives unto Jesus as the power of the Spirit came upon him, and they became children of God. The gospel went out to the Gentiles. And because of that, we too have the gospel message. We too have come to know Jesus as our Savior because it began there with Cornelius' family. The Gentiles are not unclean. They're not unworthy. They're not outcast. They are welcome and invited into the family of God. Will you receive his invitation? I know the Holy Spirit's working on hearts. Will you receive his invitation? That he loves you. That you would ask the Lord for forgiveness of your sins. That you would invite him into your heart to be Lord of your life. That you would believe upon him that he rose again from the dead. And that as you say yes to Jesus, you shall be saved. Will you receive that invitation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we invite you this morning, pour out your spirit powerfully upon this room. I know you're working on hearts here. And so, Father, we want to trust you that you're calling people to your table. So, Father, do your work in our midst. Call people forth to your table that they may receive salvation. And may we be a people who invite others, those are the outcasts, those that are forgotten. May we be a people who invite people to your table. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.